Hello, everybody. Welcome to the call up with myself, Daniel Holloway, and my co-host, partner in crime, Gabe Lloyd. How's everybody doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm really good, man. We had a uh, had a really good weekend. Started off with a nice Friday at the Velodrome here in T-Town, the Valley Preferred Cycling Center, to be specific. Um, it was a final night of racing for the season, and it was a lot of fun. It was Madison Cup, which is, this was the 46th year for Madison Cup. Can you believe it? What year did I win? Um, I'm not sure. Oh, you don't 20s. even care. Are you on that cup? I'm on that cup. Nice. 15? What? 16? No, man. 13. I'm older than that. 09? Oh, really? 09? Who is your partner? Old man Colby Pierce. Colby. Yeah. Wow. Who are the other teams on the track? Uh, Hayden Godfrey and his Kiwi partner. That's who I remember the most. Um, just cause I had a yeah. lot of, I had relationships with the guys, the Kiwi guys, uh, like Jason Allen, um, was one of those guys on that subway New Zealand team and Hayden, yeah, yeah. um, yeah. you know, being like they were Bay area, they would hang out in the barriers. So it's like, I knew them from Hellier and like, you know, all that yeah. stuff. So that, that circle circle was relatively, you know, small and like front of mind. So it being this far away from then. I just explicitly remember like racing those teams or those two guys and Colby and I like they were kind of just like the only team we were worried about uh, and figuring out uh-huh. and try to try to like crack them, which we did uh, pat on the back nice. here. But yeah, was it a hundred lap race in T-Town for you? 300 you lap, I think, you know, just the big dog, <laughs> the one and only year where men raced uh, men, man distance. <laughs> <laughs> because there was no women's race yeah yeah that, uh my day. well that's cool yeah I, I don't, my day 300 yeah the only story that i'll have about that particular like madison cup from from all of that would be censored basically the whole time uh <laughs> just like a beep yep yeah <laughs> and then he said beep <laughs> 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 um but for context those are the, most good t-town stories yeah. the the foundation of the story is that tropic thunder was the movie at the time and so if you've seen tropic thunder colby and i's weekend was surrounded about quoting tropic thunder in and out of the race as oh as code words <laughs> code phrases you know, if you guys watched the tour this year, they were on the radio doing like, it's time to jump the tiger and whatever it was. Kobe and I were like, oh, wait, we were screaming that on the track, but with a lot more beep. Yeah. So code using code phrases for things oh, for race tactics is old, old news, old news. That is great. That's awesome. But cool. Yes. Well, I'm glad you're on the cup. Yeah, I was happy to see that it's back thriving. Two Town was a slow start, it sounded like, uh, this year. Yeah, we definitely finished stronger than we started. So, as, that was cool. As you need to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, we did that, and that was cool. A lot of great fireworks, all that good stuff. And notably in town, we had Chloe Patrick. She raced Friday night, went 
then jumped on an airplane, did all the NCL stuff, and I thought that was that's a lot for somebody. I have a couple of those know. stories. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you do. My most just... my most notable one is um, winning Speed Week five of six, jumping on the the plane Monday. Yeah, it was Monday morning, going flying to Dana Point, taking a nap, building the bike, and then smacking around the UHC train. Yeah. How did Dana Point go? I won. Oh. Yeah. That's what I mean by smacking him around. <laughs> oh, I thought you were just giving him a hard time, but you actually take the win. Yeah. Who was on the UHC train at that point in time? Jake Keo? Those um, dudes? Luke was is in the the pitcher looking pretty sad. Carl Menzies, I think, was there looking sad. Hilton. I mean, just their normal their normal team. Just let them have it. <laughs> Amazing. And Dana Point, yeah, it was pretty sick. Um, so, yeah. Good on you, Chloe. Good on you. Yeah, I mean, she made the trip. Yeah. So, we'll get into the bike racing, though, here in a second. That uh, is bike racing, dude. My, back in my days, bike racing. Rock of my days. It's 21s at more. 120 PSI, dude. Just oh, rim brakes. Yeah. How did we even stop back then? Amazing. Or stay upright. Whoa. No tires. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. This is the NCL Atlanta post-race show. Supposed to be, at least. But, yeah, we're, that's what we're going to talk about. NCL Atlanta and the NCL, I guess, overall package. Yeah, we do not have a score sheet, and we cannot find results. So we're a little handicapped this week. Last week, we had some very generous people uh, helping us out with results. Maybe there was another email that went out that said, if you guys, if anybody, if we find out these two guys get any information, you're all fired. No money all right, for any of you. We're going to take your bike back if you give <laughs> these guys a PDF. <laughs> So that's probably why we don't have any um, any information. All we have is the I'm website frankly, again. I'm frankly honored if they got we got to that level of an <laughs> internal hush order. We should have sent media credential requests and be like, guys, we're the, we are media. Brilliant. But um, yes, we are now officially media. I didn't even realize that stature which we've lifted ourselves to. Yeah, I mean, if the piss take can get into super worlds a podcast surely we could get into a criterion they did yeah have you heard that podcast no the, the pissed p-i-s-t-e take it's uh two of the scottish boys from like the og um darbados team pursuit squad with dan what really and so they're not doing like a podcast and you know they've like been indoctored into everything um but now they just have like great inside access and, you know, through their own journey, build a lot of relationships by like upsetting the track world, like, right? and how Dan implemented strategy and technology and et cetera, uh, you know, to get kind of donkeys into race horses. That from the, what are they, Dar, the, the what of Darbados? The Darbados. Con- Darbados. But they had a funny, like the village of, no, the countryside of darbados i don't know the it was some they had the seal and everything <laughs> yeah as as those guys definitely on brand for them um but anyways they have a podcast it's 
it's super good. Like they started it at basically no, it was before Track Worlds, but they had like amazing coverage. Um, oh, and they've awesome. talked to some like super cool people. Um, it's yeah, it's been a good listen. Well, I think we should do that. I think we should definitely implement that strategy and get ourselves some press passes for. We as can. Many we as could as probably get a Spirit Airlines flight to Masters Road Nationals if we want. If we really want to get indoctored. <laughs> The content we could get there, the interviews we could have, it's second to none. And it's Chris really Carlson. Well, Chris Carlson has asked to be on the podcast already. Oh, has so. he? Has oh, yeah. He? What does he have yeah. to say? I wasn't sure. <laughs> you Give next time you, you should ask him about him racing Madison at Deep Town with his son, and see how ready he gets. You mean the story with him and Zach not winning? <laughs> Um, but Chris is a legend, and we probably need to have some story time with old man Chris. Okay, that's a wintertime project. Yeah. Atlanta, Georgia. Where were that's we the racing? Cup. The Porsche Experience Center, which, I mean, of the overall weekend, right? Start Saturday evening, qualifiers. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I thought I thought that was actually kind of interesting. Good from format. social media. Yeah. Good format. Underwhelming... Delivery, my opinion. Once you saw like the Instagrams and the drone footage, it's like, oh, it's next to a railroad track in an industrial area, so visually not super. And then seeing a manhole cover in the middle, like with 20 meters to go. Is that the thing with the cones all around it? Is that what that was? I would like to think that that was some feature that was like visually supposed to be there. But oh. I think it was just a manhole cover in the middle of a all-out sprint that they had to do something about. Okay. Um, so it just like stuck out like a sore thumb when you're flying the drone, or there was like side Instagram stuff. It just broke things up for me that I didn't. I'm just like head scratcher. But well, what's I, the solution there, though? I mean, do you move the course? Do you just shift it by like twenty meters, thirty meters, whatever? Yeah, there's that. There's concrete. There's oh, I see. Yeah, <laughs> call public works. Um, Get or that not. Thing. Um, but yeah, so just visually, that kind of like killed it for me. I mean, I do love the round robin drag race format. Um, yeah, I think it's great. I think I would prefer like an out and back 500 with more guys, like a th- Kieran. Yeah, and like a have six, some, six band. Yeah, thing. and I think you'd just be a little more tactical, a little more storytelling than just this short, short, short sprint, right? Where it's just, um, and I don't necessarily think the results would have been all that different come the end of qualifying, but I think you would have had a much better story to tell. Um, and this is something we talked offcast leading up to this is just like our minds go wild when we start thinking of stuff and we probably need to okay. stop giving it all away. Um, yep. But I think there's other stuff that could have been done that would have had a bigger impact. Well, things we did talk about in the precast, we talked about whether or not the little guy could find success in a format like this. And I think that he did. Yeah. Little fellow. Right? Well, Volaire factory racing guy got himself a win in qualifier. Is that right? Did I remember that correctly? I thought he got second in Amma still, one. That's still pretty good. Yeah. Oh, Amanesque. 
Yeah, yeah. see, there you go. And then our contemporary, Marco Aladia, I mean, he's even older than I am, but also a little fella. Yeah. He, he rides a 49 or something. He's a, he's a little guy. <laughs> really? It's that small? Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh-huh. Yeah, but I mean, Mark Marco is I mean, is a mad dog in street sprints. He won like the Redlands street sprints way back when it was fully thirty-two spoke wheels and baggy jerseys. Wow! So he was definitely thriving, which is wild for a guy that is like forty plus. Yeah, and he spends more time at the dance studio with his daughter than he does riding a bicycle, and he goes out and gets third. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, I think that also to what we talked about in the precast, the short distance favors the underdog in this instance. The strong guys have the ability to get on top of the gear, carry more speed and for a longer amount of time, which would give them the advantage in a longer format. I think that's what we agreed to in our precast, uh, if I remember, sort of. And in that instance, we now have Marco and uh, this this young man from Volair Factory Racing looking very pleased with himself on the Instagram. What is his name? So, uh, pet peeve, where's the results? Please post your results of your bike race. Oh, God. I think what? we're going to get like yelled at because like it's on the Instagram. It's like, look, that was two days ago. That doesn't stay. It could be there. Well, that's the Did thing. Did they save Why it on their I? reels? But I shouldn't I have to. I shouldn't have to go through your reels to find the results from a bike thing. No, maybe and he did win. Because he's there with Paolo Munoz. Yeah, so he must have won. Good for him. Yeah, like beating Ama, I think, is like quite the thing. I mean, Ama is a quite the good sprinter. Um. I just feel terrible. I don't know his name right now. And this seems crazy. Like I'm looking at this post. Thank you to everyone who came out for the team qualifier presented by Wahoo Fitness Official. You know how we find his name? We go to the website. We look under teams. We find VFR Racing. Oh, there it is. Bang. And Nick Trujillo. Trejo. I hope I get that right. I'm so bad. I apologize if it's that wrong, but I think it's Nick. And I re- that name looks very familiar via the the Graham stuff. Okay. But yeah, Mr. shout Trejo. out to him. Congratulations, Nick. And speaking of Ama being there, I thought... I didn't realize that teams could sub in non-registered riders. Yeah, I just assumed that at this point in the season, they're like, Kelly Benefits was like, listen, we need like another guy. And yeah, this guy I mean, is willing to do it. Rules are rules. Um, True. And I don't know, was that considered a substitution? But I think there were some other teams that were also had some raised eyebrows by that in the 11th hour. Because uh, I didn't well, get any I'm phone a... calls. Because I think people just thought that that couldn't happen. Oh, I agree with this. You definitely would have been on a team had they known they could sub you in. Texas yeah. Roadhouse. Um, almost certainly affected the men's race. He scored a, a little collection of points, and he got in the qualifier points. So I guess if we want to start there. But he also just, like, outrode himself. 
like he to me it looked like he was just riding on an all ego like he would start to sprint early use his like size and his pop to like get a massive gap and then he'd just be doing this like look over the shoulder you know just like way too casual and it's just like what are you what are you doing like get stuck in like again you only need to win sprints by a tire like the bare minimum and especially in a tempo race yeah and so it just looks like he just yeah it just was riding on ego and at the end of the day like his team missed the four or five minute split like the, the the race that you were racing for the 30 that would really change your outcome yeah instead of the odd three points here or there against these like teams that have super you know way more depth so it's like he and he wasn't the only guy racing right he was getting subbed with another rider right but the other rider wasn't riding with so much bravado and just like not thinking about the end of the race seemingly it was just like i'm just going to show how fast i am when early and then took on way too much water couldn't clear it out and then when it's time to like make the front of the bike race to win, to have big points, because they did change the point structure. It was 30, 15, 12, 10, 8, 6, 4, whatever that was. But that, so, right. You had a chance to get 30 points, 15 points. That's five sprints, you know? Yeah, right. Um, Which, frankly, is what Clever was doing. So, I actually I want to put a pause on this train of thought, though. I'm sorry. I know we got excited. <laughs> But I do think I do think that we want to try and catch our listeners up and sort of go um, a little more chronologically because of the way the format was set up, where the women's results uh, were built upon by the men. And so first and foremost, they changed the point structure overall. The points are different for qualifiers again. Uh, oh, did they change that? I thought it was still the eight, six. It was 16 to win. It was 16 points to win, which was crucial for Miami. Yeah, definitely helped them come the They would not have won the, the overall. overall. They would not have won the overall if it had not been for qualifiers getting them 16 points. Ooh, yeesh. There's another layer to this, though, in the women's race with Roxo Racing that I wanted to touch on with you real okay. quick. But um, so qualifiers had a more impact, more significant impact on the final result. I thought that was great. I love to see that. And so hats off to them for that, uh, for NCL's adjustment of that format. And overall, I thought the street sprint thing was, uh, was good. I think that there's some nuance here that we touched on that could have been uh, cleaned up a smidge, but overall great start to the weekend. Let's get into racing women's race dynamic and the women's race strange. And, uh, but even before that point structure for the final lap, you've just touched on that with Amonesque, but the point structure changed again for the final lap where the gap from first to second and third was different, but you still had 30 points for this, for the actual final lap win. And those 30 points are, you know, really ended up being quite instrumental. But I think what the big story was coming out of the women's field you said at the end of our precast, you straight up said this. If any other team other than Miami or Denver are not at the top of the women's race, that they are losers. <laughs> and, and any team above them are winners. And so with that regard, I think it's a time for shout outs to 
bounce cycling and CCB racing for for doing a freaking fantastic job racing their bikes, right? They're the little underdogs taking on the Goliaths and they did it, right? Yep. How did that happen though? That's what that's where that's where I wanted to ask you about this because I'm watching this thing and I'm like scratching my head. I can't understand this. Why did this occur? I'm happy it occurred, but I do not understand why. Yeah, I mean, I think from that standpoint, it's just the... And you can find yourself in the position in an Omnium-type format where you go into the final race with a lead, with a cushion. And you go, oh, I just have to watch second place. You know, as long as that person doesn't get too many points, right, or get away from me, everything's under control and everything is fine. And in this particular format, that's even more credit to defensive riding because you have the second race to continue the backup, if that makes sense. Yep. And so I think that's just what happened. The, Miami went into the race with 18-point lead over Denver because Denver just had trash street sprints. You know, yeah. got nothing on the scoreboard. And so, yeah, Denver had a lot of ground to make up and Miami could just sit and be passive and, you know, be, you know, race negatively, you know, and just kind of mark mark them out, mark them out. And then, yeah, those two teams took advantage, you know, found themselves with a gap and extended that gap and via substitutions being, kept putting fresh legs in to maintain, maintain that, right? I think if we were traditional crit format, two riders could go and out and get that gap, right? But then it's about holding it once you start taking on water, taking on fatigue for the duration yep. of a of a race. And that course wasn't easy. There was a lot of start-stop. There was elevation gain. You know, kind of all these hot. kind of things. So the substitutions definitely played in their favor of those two smaller teams with, with not the depth as the other larger programs maintaining that and then fighting, fighting it out for the win. And you've said in other episodes of our... Uh, call up podcast that you really love the substitution because it gives us an opportunity for fresh legs to sustain an effort and could be used for bridging attempts could be used for other things but in this race on Sunday it was absolutely about keeping fresh legs in the breakaway and Fount Cycling and CCB were doing that they were taking two lap pulls full gas and then quickly subbing in and I thought the substitutions occurred a lot more smoothly and so for the, most the gap part, yeah. was maintained. I mean, they sustained a 45-second gap over the field. And at a certain point, Miami was, like, thoroughly chasing. And these two were able to stay away. Yeah. And, and the other, in that aspect of everything, like, the only thing I didn't like between it showed lack of experience or direction or just kind of keeping a level head. And I get, like, you're racing for points. You're trying to build a, build a gap. But, you know, traditionally, you would swap you'd kind of come to a neutral agreement with your brake mate and be like, I was, I yeah. win a lap, you win a lap. And right. And yeah. you can end up with the same amount of points with the end goals. Like we just need to get yeah. to the finish line, which those teams needed to get to the finish line. It wasn't about like, I need to just get five, like it's coming back regardless. So I just need to maximize my point getting while I'm here. There didn't seem to be like, they kind of were stuck in that mindset of like, Oh my God, I got to maximize points. Cause we are going to get brought back rather than like a larger, mindset and of confidence saying we're going to stick to this to the end you're now friendly let's just 
instead of sprinting every lap and, and blowing ourselves up and taking like way more fatigue, let's just swap, swap laps, you know, and we come out net neutral and it's like, okay, yeah. well, who's the better team, you know, in the last three laps. And then right. that's when you start getting tactical and like, okay, we may not be like have the fastest rider. So you get the direction like, Hey, we have to start attacking, counterattacking the sprint, you know, counterattacking, you know, tiring out their, their fast riders going into the five to go with no substitutions, you know, cause that's when subs were cut off with five to go. So that's it, didn't, right. it and, didn't seem like yeah. there was much forethought of point getting energy maximization in the yeah. women's race in terms of sprinting for points. And I have it in my notes, like on lap 21, Natalie Quinn, she's like, full on trying to get away from fount cycling. Like she's not waiting for them at all. And I was like, why would you do that? Like, <laughs> like be together, like, and do exactly what you just said. I, I, part of me is like watching this feed too. And everybody's got these radio pieces in and they're all screaming at each other about this stuff. And I'm like, I feel like the responsibility of the party that's not in the bike race who has the radio piece is to stay level headed and to be like, yo, like work with that person. Yeah. Like that is your friend for now. Like back it down, take a drink of water. You're going to get subbed out anyways in a second. So just chill out, get together and then build that lead up so that if the teams behind you start to actually get organized, then you, then you guys can like, attack each other but or we have some energy to match that effort from behind right yeah yeah and it's like like, with the substitutions as well you like you don't need to get on the radio and share that message like you could have that face-to-face message when that rider's heart rates come down as well they've come out they've recovered you know there was hot so it's like cool off get everything down like eye contact hey stay calm we're just going to swap turns you know and just we're going to share points until you know whatever whatever this point, right? And then it's, it almost takes, for good or bad, I mean, we see it in the world too, like we've seen the the riders be thinking less and less and less as there's so much direction coming from the cars now at at the European level. And it's like definitely forbidden to like ride on instinct, you know, to, if you were to like be in a race and feel out a moment that went against like general race plan direction, you definitely would get scolded, right? I mean, there's like four guys that can go against race plan, right? <laughs> it's yeah, Venner, right. Vanderpool, Pojakar, and probably some one other random dude in the off case that he wins. Um, Evan Paul. Yeah. But so, but in this format, so it's like as a rider, you can be like, okay, my job is to just focus on being hyper-efficient and trust the directors like playing chess for us. We're the, we're the chess pieces. And let that person that's like, Ideally, should be lower heart rate, clear mind, figuring out the gamesmanship of getting the one-on-one that you want. Because we've talked about that, you know, and I've talked about it in broadcasts of just like you can apply one-on-one defense or offense, right, in mm-hmm. in cycling. Like, hey, this is your guy. You're covering him the whole time. Like, no matter what, you're always with that person. And we feel like these matchups are going to give us the best chance to win if it goes up the road or, you know, what have you. And so you, as a men's team, like you just kind of put that in everybody's mind before you race. And then you got to use radios to communicate because it's just, there's no substitutions. You don't get that moment out to reset or recommunicate. 
But in this format, you do have that moment, and that director's got the chance to do that. And we kind of see that of substitutions. It's like, Rodriguez missed the move. Okay, well, I'm going to sub him into the pit and then put him back into the front of the race. You know, you yeah. can do that, right? It's not just the two guys that make the move that can are the only ones that have a sub in and out. So if your strong guy is, has missed it in, in the back, you pull him out of the race, put somebody in, pull a guy out of the break, put your guy where you want him to be, right? It's, it's the next level of, you know, tactical evolution in this. And so, yeah, kind of went off tangent. <laughs> but Oh, you're good. Um, it was great. Yeah. Figuring out, again... I guess going back to like sharing the workload, evening out the points, and then waiting till much later, like almost kind of guarantee that it's going to stay away as long as you don't go to a track stand to figure out how to win. And clearly, yeah. as long as you were within that 15-point margin, you could still win if you were in second place. So you could almost rest, like give away some points if you were a sprinter and you were pretty confident that you were going to smash. And we saw that in the men's race. We did see that in the men's race, yeah. I guess I was thinking, too, when I was watching the women with... So there's. A, I'm going to get into this second. There's a chase group that formed behind, and I have some tactical questions about that. But before I get there, with Fount and CCB off the front, um, I didn't understand also why... You know, when we're on the track and a stronger rider just sort of pips for the points at the line in a snowball tempo or points race, yep. and they just like sort of they're just in the draft and then they come, you're coming into like a hundred meters to go and you start to come up onto the hip and then you're on the shoulder and then you just get the point by a tire or whatever. And then you just go back down and go back in the draft and the other person for whatever reason keeps pedaling really hard and it just keeps dragging. <laughs> you around. Yeah. Um, like I didn't understand why that subtlety wasn't occurring. You were, you were getting there with Ama earlier in the broadcast, but I feel like there's some real like, foundational things in bike racing that are lost in some of these things with the tempo and maybe they'll get there if they do this format more or if but they go just, race the track just go to your like they, yeah, yeah we only we have so few tracks right it is unfortunate but if you're by a track if you were within spitting distance an hour even 90 minutes go race the track like you learn exponentially quicker yeah. just via experience and not only do you get to race three four five times a night depending on how you're you get to watch three four five ten fifteen other races and watch and learn and it's learning isn't necessarily about watching how somebody wins it's understanding how somebody else lost yeah. you know like that guy was gonna win gonna win and then he lost because a wiser rider just sat back and used the only amount of energy he needed to, the rider needed to use to win. Right. And, and so much foundationally you can learn from the track, especially this format of racing can easily be applied. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. hundred so percent. that to me, just watching those types of things is just lack of experience, lack of knowledge, lack of, you know, direction throughout their career getting to this point of like a win is a win and you only need to win it by a tire, <laughs> you know, like, and that was one concept that it was just always, I had seemed, I had quite different during like my career was like the races. I trained. So the races were easy. 
Like I didn't, it wasn't my job. I had, I had minimal interest most times to make a race hard. That wasn't my job. My race was, my job was to win it, you know? And if other teams that didn't have a sprinter, they need to make it hard. Falls back on me whether or not I was ready or my team was ready. And so it's just like racing should be easy because you're training, training hard enough that racing's easy. Don't yeah. like, you don't need to make the race any harder than it needs to be to be successful. Yeah. And that was I the opposite a, here. Yeah. <laughs> I watched a lot of pedal strokes being taken unnecessarily on Sunday on TV. Um, real quick though, just to keep moves moving here. The, there was a chase group with Monarch and Roxo. RXO, Roxo, Roxo, uh, and I didn't understand why Roxo was allowing Monarch to take every sprint at the line. They were taking the single point every single time. If Roxo had started to collect those points, they would have first off they would have passed Miami sooner, and then they would have built up the gap between themselves and Miami much more significantly than ended up happening. And then if you watch the last lap of the women's race, the Roxo rider almost got to the line for third place points. Oh yeah. She, she was just oh, heartbreaking. Yeah. Absolutely heartbreak. heartbreaking. But, but if her team had already given the pad of the points, it would have been less significant. So my question becomes, why was Monarch allowed to take all of those intermediate sprint points? That's like, that's the ultimate question, right? I mean, what <laughs> it, clearly miscommunication, misunderstanding, you know, or a tactical plan that clearly didn't work. <laughs> right, um, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, so it, yeah, it doesn't. There's no, in my mind, I don't see it clearly a logical sense of why you would just give away all these points. Unless, you know, for every point it was a hundred dollars and that like the hundies were just getting shifted <laughs> in the pit. Um, right. or just, you're just getting the Venmos, uh, lap after lap. No, but all joking aside is, yeah, I don't, it's hard for me to wrap my head, head around that. And then going into, not that, that riders should be like, Oh, we have points. I don't have to go as hard. Cause clearly that's like against the objective. She still was going to ride as hard as she could ride. What, she wasn't doing was taking the best line. And yeah. at that point with so much fatigue, she's not carrying the same speed. So you don't take the same lines just because it's, you know, you're not on the same like race line as if you were, if you were going full speed or if you were fresh, if you're going right. slow, like you now need to cut off every inch of track and go the shortest way possible at that point where she was at there was no carrying momentum of like letting anything kind of float or whatever it's like get from point a to point b in the shortest way possible because your speed's not changing that much because you're just yeah. so fatigued and she what she didn't do that and i'm not i don't have the spreadsheet or calculations or you know any of that to be like oh well she would have done it all perfectly would she would she have maybe you know, you definitely put your stuff in your favor rather than right. just taking like taking on more race, like, you know, more inches than you need to. Yeah. Throughout that. Lap. And I think I just it, it just seemed like she also wasn't super arrow. I know you you're a big fan of bending the elbows, you know, getting yourself nice and tucked down 
Quinn was actually pretty bad at that too throughout the entire race. Um, yeah. There were a lot of things that could have been done throughout the race to sort of maximize these opportunities for everybody that I didn't necessarily see being executed. Um, you know, it was a little bit challenging for me to see some of that, like leaving opportunity on the table. Um, in my notes here, I don't know if this is true. So I'm going to qualify this because we do not have the total spreadsheet of points breakdown. But by my math while watching, Roxo would have held third overall if they had gotten those intermediate sprint points, regardless of where that girl finished in the final lap as it played out. Got all so, of them or just split them 50-50 for the duration that they were out? Oh, that's a good question. I have to ask my former self. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great question. Ultimately, that I would love to know that, frankly. I'd love to like break that down and get the understanding of how many opportunities were left. I guess I want to see how many times a Monarch sprint Divide it in half and see if Roxo would have held third overall. Yeah, I don't have that right now. I didn't keep a score sheet in that regard. And it definitely can go down to a rabbit hole of just like, well, if you would have just had two more people like finish in the top ten, you would have been okay. So yeah, it's definitely it's it's very multi layered. But yeah, I understand the thought process you're going down of. You shouldn't. You should definitely not be giving away points. Uh, yeah. I mean, even just for the simple fact of having three minor teams in the top three at this stage would have been very interesting to just see, like a little justification for their presence in the NCL. Yep. Right? Like Fount and CCB raced very well, maintaining that gap. They used substitutions brilliantly. Um, and in the post-race interview with Aliyah Shafi, is it Shafi? Shafi? Couldn't tell mm. you. Sorry. Um she raced very well, and and she said in her post race interview, which was actually really great. Um, did she drop the F bomb a couple times? She did. Okay. She did. It was awesome. Party she on. would get the big old E on Spotify. <laughs> um, she said that her team director was in her ear, instilling in her to be calm yep. and to wait and be patient. And I loved hearing that. And that's. And I that's, mean, that that's, comes that's, from you know Jen Wheeler. You know, she's been around a long time and really successful. And then also if. Dave was on the radio at that time as well. I mean, another guy that's calm, been around, understands, you know, Masters World Champion. You know, so it's like he gets it, right? I mean, you couldn't, for a program like that, those are two good people to have on your side. Um, and when you're under pressure, giving you giving you good advice. I would assume that most of it's pretty, pretty top-notch. And that paid off. Great to hear. Yeah, it did. I mean, she said that in their program, most of them have less than three years of racing experience. Yeah, I mean, we saw that at Pronats, right? Respectively. Yeah. <laughs> like, we, it's, it's very clear that they are inexperienced. Horsepower, yes. Experience, no. And mm. from what we saw just a couple of months ago at Pronats to now, big shift. So yeah. it's like it's good to see a, a program like that continue, being able to grow, right? Like, that's... Step one, there's a lot of programs that just can't for whatever reason. And we see that year after year, regardless of who's who's in that organization. But it's very fun and cool to see a small program like that be able within a year evolve and make, you know, such good steps forward. Absolutely. Um a little bit of drama at the end of the women's race sounded like a little pushy shovey. 
Yeah, a little pushy Chevy there from Scandalara and over with Paula Munoz for some reason. Sounds yeah. like you had some intel on that. Yeah, basically, you know, the gist of it is that there was clearly a lot of tension going into the weekend. In the sem- between, especially between those two teams, it's regardless if it was first or second or seventh or eighth or whatever it might have been, whichever program won wins the cup in whatever associated dollars that go with that at that at this point. But yeah, it, so that I think that tension was just was there from the beginning of sat probably Saturday, right? Um, and then you start racing, and it's just like every little move, every little gap you take you know, everything is just like heightened, right? Like everybody's just on edge a little bit more, a little bit more. Uh, and then because the cameras were focused on the front of the race, I guess that Paula just, you know, was continuing to race her bike and not letting, you know, either filling gaps or not letting people take wheels, held their ground. And I guess Scandalar didn't like it. Uh, <laughs> may have, might've thought it was yeah. unnecessary, what have you. Uh, and let her know about it post post race very italian of her very Italian. the snakes came out the snakes uh yeah so that that emoji was sent it was pretty funny or me what it's not emoji what do they call the jiffy a jiffy giffy jiffy jiffy or giffy, giffy. is it a giffy, giffy? we're old we don't I'm know what old. we're talking about um <laughs> yeah so the, clearly a lot of tension uh you know amongst that and all sorts of yeah it was yeah. like all race just like little things you know, death by a thousand cuts. And, you know, I've definitely been there of when you're just in a position where you can just poke and poke and poke and be annoying and get under people's skin. I just think that's more or less what was, ha- <laughs> what was happening. Uh, fair enough. Uh, are we going to do winners and losers now for our women? Yeah. I mean, clearly found, right? Big, big winners. Uh, yeah. Really changed. Not all, I think like season long, right? There's not much left to go that's, that's happening post this. But I think, you know, this race in particular, massive winners. And I think they could, if their season for them ended yesterday or whatever it was, they should have a, a really positive outlook on what their year was and how far their women's program came. Men's program, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's it almost seems to be the fashion you know, in cycling right now is a majority of the programs that have co-ed teams, the women's side of things carries the program, you know, results wise cool. and just sociopolitically, <laughs> um, and forward facing. Yeah. Um, so I think well, that's a pretty common theme, but you know, hats off to Fount. I agree. I found was my pick. I had an honorable mention for CCB to just kind of make it into that as well. And, to use the substitutions in the same way and Hopefully sort they, of playing off the format. And a lot they can learn from it. Like they should be able to like go back and reflect at a high level and, you know, without ego point out everything they did right and everything they did wrong. Right. And be educated on how do we make the change to do better next time. Right. You know, yeah. how to be more efficient, how to be a little more wise, you know, the, the outcome might be different. Yeah. Uh, losers. Denver, you know, they didn't, they didn't make up really any ground out of the women's race going into the men's race. I don't believe so. I think the men were still left with a pretty sizable hole. Yeah. 
It was massive. I think Denver was in seventh or something going into the men's race. Yeah. So the, yeah, maybe, but still, I don't have a score sheet to go from. (laughs) Yes. They just didn't seem to, you know, clearly it was a completely different ride than that program out of Miami. Uh, you know, from the first NCL race. I mean, they were your pick. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if, uh, I'm not going to place it on a gender, but Denver let me down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely agreed with your assessment that this road course and the way that they've ridden previously would have suited them uh, for both genders. So it was very surprising to me to see them struggle so much in this uh, in this for the women's side of things. Yep. All right, so our men. Uh, jumping into that, my goodness, it looks like we're going to have to keep ourselves moving here. Uh, Armstrongmer. Two laps in, 25 riders off the back. Whew. But then it kind of came back together, didn't it? It wasn't like an off the back, it was like a split. And there was, I mean, even in the women's race, there was like a few new like crashes that were involved, you know, the bigger teams, like normal riders that we always talk about. But it wasn't on the stream. Like, you, you know, for whatever reason, we didn't, it wasn't highlighted yeah. in some fashion, whether it was a replay, commentary team saying, you know, anything to know that yeah. crashes were happening. So going into the men's race and that split happening, I was like, well, likely a crash, you know? Um, yeah. I don't know that why. caused that split and then it kind of came back together. And then, and then, yeah, just people kept leaving like M1000s every eighth wheel for the rest of the race and just gaps you know exploding until kind of that that major move happened and everybody kind of got to settle down right i was very confused as to why we weren't seeing the third place sprint occurring more often on the stream it just because it was so important for you'd think how this format was yeah especially in the early days of the thing when um yeah i mean the we will probably get there but i guess the overall of everything just left me wanting. And, Ah. you know, I've, I didn't know how I felt after the race. And so I called (laughs) a few people that had, you know, had watched and was like, I don't, I don't know how I'm feeling, you know, like I don't, and it was just basically, I left underwhelmed, you know, in the sense of, I guess I, I don't think I'm alone in the sense of like the what was built up, like the NCL was built up to be this mega thing, yeah. and in some aspects it was, and so it just it left me f- just flat, you know the the, the storyline, like the arc didn't time out at the end, yeah. Um, it, for me, it was very anticlimactic, right? Like the emotional attachment, and maybe it's just like I know too much in the sense of the realistic fight that Denver had in the men's race to crawl themselves back out, you know, ah. and even being wanting to Denver wind and maybe like a little bit of a pessimist, but it's just like, Oh, well that's it's over, you know? And so for me, the story was over before the men's race ever finished. And then if we follow everything else that is going on, there wasn't anything else for me to get excited about. You know, mm. and so 
yeah, that just left me confused. <laughs> confused. Like, like it just wasn't as as big as I wanted it to be. It could have been as big or bigger for somebody else, but for me, it it my experience fell flat. Well, so what I'm hearing is that you were a fan of Denver. You're rooting for Denver. If you do, you think that Miami fans were more engaged? I, de- I think it depends on the level in which you come in as a fan. Okay. I feel like, for the most part, right, like my relative peer, peer circle, I would say is on the upper end of the educated fan watching bike racing. You know, I, I don't have that many peripheral cycling people, especially that would be tuning into this. So that's also context of like who I'm talking to and sharing this experience with. That, yeah, if you're a Miami fan with the same similar level education or view of it as a Miami fan, yeah, you could be watching be the beginning men's race and be highly confident. It's like, oh, this is locked up, right? And then you're just kind of waiting, like, formalities, right? And you're just watching it, like, the points collect. And, you know, you do get excited because Clever wins, clearly. But the big emotion, right? The, like, the nail-biter coming down to, like, field goal kick at the end of a game for the Super Bowl, you know, everybody's, regardless of level of fan, is on the edge of their seat, right? Or, or standing. This didn't, yeah. this, this didn't leave us there. It did not, no. I mean, to that end, I, my notes, I have it 10 to go. I wrote, WTF is going on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get the big E from Spotify again, but yeah, I mean... I could not. That was a moment where there are literally just riders everywhere, and like the the cameras were literally just like panning left and right, like unable to figure out what was to even focus on and who was doing what, where, and um, it yeah. Was, this is where I feel we've overspoken, or maybe spoken just to the line, but not to continue to overspeak on how a possible solution for that to help clean it up. Mm-hmm. But I think there's fixes that would be reasonable, um, w- would help. But uh, no longer going to publicly share. <laughs> um, it's funny enough. I just think after like the last stuff we've had, you know, between the two of us, too many phone calls and texts, asking for time, <laughs> um, yeah. and almost free time. So I guess that's that's good and bad for what it's, for what it's worth. But yeah, just some of that stuff just. Yeah, uh, yeah, fell <clears throat> fell flat, and and yeah, there was definitely some good tactical racing that went on, like you know, in isolation. Again, becoming a fan of moments, seeing people race smart. There was like um one moment, and I think it was like the basically the moment in which the breakaway split up was substitutions happened, and I believe it was either Denver or Roadhouse got out of the pit super clean and Rodriguez missed his pedals. Yeah. And the gap just exploded. And from that moment, you could see that Rodriguez was just on his knees and he, it was just enough of a gap that he couldn't instantly like use his explosiveness to make up and get back in the draft and be a teammate and be part of the game. It was, it was big enough that he could, he was just left out in, in, in the wind by himself and just collapsed, you know, and then, then it was like one Miami, one Denver 
you know, and basically into the, the group that we saw at the end. But just by simply him missing, missing the pedal, missing that, that moment. And they saw it and they took advantage of it. Uh, might have been around 16 to go because at 18 we had a break of seven and then at 16 uh, we had just a, sort of a shattering of, of certain things but I, I agree I, what I love so much about that is the the race was more about let's get our team represented in numbers and then and then try to just keep that together however you still have to just do some fundamentals of clipping in, getting up to speed, getting yourself back into that break. And the fact that Rodriguez, of all people, who's such a good bike racer, got dropped from the break by not being able to clip in is like kind of crazy. Yeah. And then it, it, it put Miami on the back foot because they went from having two, which was crucial for their ability to move up in the points that gave them the opportunity to get the overall win because yeah, I mean, they, they basically were never, too. Yeah, they never had to sprint for the win. They just had to follow right. the guy that was going all out and get second and third. Or even yeah. if they were like, it was, they had, yeah, they had the bodies to just always be in the points and never give Denver any chance to like let it, let them roll, you know, to, to really collect points. I mean, there was that one point where, you know, Van Rensburg was off the front for five laps, whatever. But again, it's not an effort that pays off. I don't know why you would necessarily do that. You would want more, more, more so than ever. Maybe not more so than ever. Like I, I would never want to. Like my first choice wasn't to ride by myself off the front. <laughs> I would always want one guy, uh, you know, somebody to share some work with, um, help me get there, and then figure out how to dispose of that person. But more so here is you'd want a second person to help put a body in between you and a team you don't want yep. collecting points. So you could at least yep. be making up two points per per lap instead of just one, and they're not doing any energy remotely in the same world of energy expenditure as as you are off the front. Yeah, I don't know Van Rinsberg very well, but he seemed to use a lot of energy very late, and I think that Miami played him for that. I think Clever specifically Yep. played him very well. I mean, Clever did not pull through. He and he didn't he need sort to. of called the bluff. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So it's just like this. This this format definitely can. You, you definitely get the racing in, to a point where there's like a breakaway like this, and then there's no payoff to continue racing hard. Right. You know, unless you feel like you can get within sniffing distance to the finish line. Which I, I just felt like they were racing the breakaway as if they were in the breakaway the entire time. So we have that cutoff point at five laps to go. Yeah. But even prior to that, these guys are racing in a way that was too similar to familiar bike racing. There wasn't really, and I guess I go back to like, to, to the guys in the pit. Right, like be the strategist and like calm these guys down and and get be like, all right, we got subs, like stay together. There's no point in killing yourself off the front. Things like that. That's more, frankly, it's more your wheelhouse than mine yeah. for being talking about knowledge. But um, I just it it just seemed like so much energy was was being burned. Uh, yeah, and it was like over Roadhouse and, and Kelly's opportunity to take advantage 
Like, they should have known these teams were just racing each other. Like, I mean, clearly Clever wanted to win the race. Like, you know, he cu- he kind of made a shot before the race saying, like, I feel really good and, you know, I can win this yep. thing outright today. Um, But also knowing that he's got to play his, his team game, right, and up to a point. And so you need to make sure that you try to take advantage of that before that, like, threshold is crossed where it really goes into his favor. So I get it. I mean, it was, again, pretty unanimous. This is, like by far was like the hardest NCL race um, and probably one of the top, you know, couple of races all season. So I understand it's like, you know, when you can't move, you can't move, but also being in the headspace of like, you know, being confident. It's like, if I'm effed, everybody else is effed. So I just need five, I just need five seconds. And then it's, you know, everybody's on the same playing field. And then it's like, who wants yeah. it more? And I just didn't seem that, move from Kelly or from Roadhouse to put themselves in a position to to go for it. And whether that whether they were playing their own race, they didn't see the 30 points being valuable enough to change their overall position, right? And more concerned about like just getting to the finish line in the top four than trying something massive and then fading, failing, if you will. I mean, it sort of goes back, though, to at the beginning of the podcast, we were talking about Ama being very flamboyant and racing himself out of the break, though, right? In that, because yeah. my head is now like, okay, if the name of the game is cons- conservation to keep your team represented in the in the breakaway so that you can at least give yourself the opportunity for max points on the super lap, like that's all you got to do. You don't have to do any other, not a single pedal stroke more. Yeah. And we witness. And for Kelly, like them winning the day, right? Like that Jersey hands up in the air across the finish line first was the only thing they had left out of the series, you know, to, to get themselves there. Potentially with themselves to third, you know, again, we, since we don't have all the outright results to know what, how far they climbed, you know, officially in the end or how far they could have climbed, etc. The only thing left they had for that program at the end of this was a stage win, I guess is what we're going to call it, you know, sure. or, or, you know, an individual event, you know, what have you, but to get two hands in the air across line first. And I'm a, on paper is a guy that can do that typically. Um, but him as a rider individually outside of the NCL is very, a bit of a conundrum, <laughs> um, you know, and that's like kind of the, it's starting to, you know, encompass him of just like, he's this guy that has massive ability, but it's very like volatile or unpredictable, you know, that they don't right. like when he shows up to a race, you don't know what you're going to get. I remember you saying that in an earlier episode that some days he wins his national championships and the next day he can drop out and, yeah, and I don't know challenging what the, to deal with. Yeah, I don't know what that is. <laughs> you know, or if if he knows what that is, you know, he's still, you know, relatively young and and all, but yeah, it just right, again, you somebody also who's won some jerseys ex- I would expect just more composure, you know, at this point and how much racing he's done and the the level in which he's done it. 
Yeah, I mean, we also have said, though, that we don't understand everyone's backstory and the things that occur off the bike and between the the days of the week yep. that between each race. So try to give everybody a little bit of credit there. And ultimately, a lot of these guys are kind of young, too, right? So, you know, they're figuring stuff out. Yes, yeah, is- but I mean, respectively, like, there's a, light, there's a line in the sand in which, if this is your thing, right, like, then, you, like... You just have to get it together. You just have to pull it in and, you know, get rid of some of the fluff. And if you're going to put yourself out there as, if anybody's going to put themselves out there and say, like, I'm this good, right, and I'm going to want to be on these teams and achieve this, you know, you have to be willing to make those, you know, few sacrifices to, to do so consistently that the team and yeah. teammates can trust you to with with that task. Yeah. Winners and losers for the men's race. So winners, Miami Knights, right? They take the whole thing um, back-to-back. Event wins, you know, they do it by qualifying super well, tactically executing, you know, the races they need to execute. Um, And, I mean, ultimately, keeping it together, right? Rodriguez had a big, big booth, and it didn't affect you know, anything for them on the day, right? So it's them being able to, like, keep composure that it's like, okay, we've lost a man, you know, for, for whatever, you know, for basically not clipping in well. Um, and not, not that not being a distraction to what their overall goal was. So they just kept it together. And I think, I would say emotionally, too, like, looking back right upon reflection, as they seem, their emotional composure, I guess the last two races, was pretty flatlined. Whereas like Denver seemed to like start to spiral, you know, and things <laughs> became more sensitive to their environment. Um, and you, that can happen when you're put on the back foot, right? If you come off a high of Miami and then go into your hometown race and rules changing, structure changing, you know, a few different things. Sure. And then taking the L and then going to Atlanta and, you know, being on the back foot, momentum's not in your favor, you know, being susceptible to all of that. Yeah. So they take the big L, poor Van Rinsburg, big L, uh, very unfortunate. Big L. Happened to Riley as well. So that program's got a couple, a couple of them this year taken right on the chin. But I think Riley's on to bigger and better things. He's going to Israel Premier Tech. I heard that. Um, so Maryland, I think, is his first race. So good for him. I'm excited for the young fella to get yeah. stuck in and um, test his medley against that stuff. And he's clearly riding super well. So can be excited to see what he what he does with it. Yeah, it's cool. Always great to see a kid uh, graduate up. Uh, so winners, or so we did say winners. Loot. What do we do? Do we hit them both? I'm sorry. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Did we I do mean, losers? I would say like Kelly Benefits lost out. Right, you know that was a team uh, that was in a position to win a podium and didn't. Um, so some, uh, you know, can't point fingers, right? But they should have been they should have been on the podium at the end of the day. Wow, you think so? Yep. I mean, I, I mean, we like, like Texas we, at this point, we have Mike to start getting, gotten them there. Yeah, but I mean, like those teams are all like 
relatively the same level, right? If we just like pull out the score sheet, give tens and fours and fives and whatever else you give to them, they're all going to be within, you know, a couple, right? And at the end of the day, I do think giving teams more credit what they're capable of, you know, not just like writing them off because it's a small local team or regional program. But oh, like but to that end, we had Texas Roadhouse and Team Mike Spikes presented by Equator Coffees. Uh, yeah, but Mike Spikes... Putting themselves in the break. Yeah, but I would say, right, if we're taking one for one, what sprinter does Mike Spikes have that can beat Alma? Or even Flanagan? Like, nobody. Right? But Mike Spikes got themselves in position by, like, solid strategy and having a moderate to high neutral horsepower for them to just exist, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, which is what they did, you know, they, yeah. they got themselves there and then existed. Um, and then roadhouse was second on the day, right? So they did what they needed so. to do against a guy like clever and they don't have a high, high finish guy, um, a high speed guy for that moment. So, you know, again, I think those two teams performed Mike Spikes outperformed their numbers, in my opinion, right? And Kelly Benefits didn't. Hmm. Okay. So an honorable mention for Mike Spikes? As winners? Or just honorable yeah. mention? Just the shout-outs? The shout-outs? Yeah. I mean, they're alumni team, so... Holler at them. They did good. I mean, they found themselves in that breakaway, right? Yeah. And in trying conditions and, you know, a lot of things to just... Because they like shat the bed in Denver, you know. <laughs> um, and even in the beginning of this race, they were like the whole team was at the back, and that twenty-five man, you know, even like Frankie called it out was just like, "Oh, there's a group off the back. That's all of Mike's bikes," <laughs> you know. So, so somewhere in there, they self-corrected and ended up at the front of the bike race. Oh, that's good. This kid Gavin Laddie. Do you know anything about him? Don't. He's quite the. He he made that he made that day for them. Yeah. Shout out, so. Laddie. Oh, he's the young fellow, right? Nineteen. Yeah. 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 That's about it's all. Not I know. like my Mac Dorf, but <laughs> I mean, I'll take a twenty-year-old going for stuff. Um. <laughs> oh man! All right. So, any final thoughts here on NCL Atlanta? Um. Yeah is what it is, you know, like moments of good racing, you know, tactical, tactical conundrums kind of all over the place. Um, and then broad spectrum NCL is, you know, they're supposed to be back for a second year. Um, hopefully we'll see it, see what the consistency is. I think, you know, from a fan standpoint, it's like, unfortunately we don't get to see another one or two or three this year. As I think everybody was starting to grasp the format from both like, teams and riders um, and then spectators kind of starting to understand what to look for you know it's like imagine going to like an NFL game in Pennsylvania like you know, go watch the Eagles play at their stadium mm-hmm. and it's one format and then be like oh well I'm like in San Francisco let's go catch a Niners game and then you show up to the Niners game it's like this is different and you spend <laughs> half the game learning like what like, you know, you get this many points for this and that many points for this and there's, you know, whatever. Um, and so that's, you know, what what happened, right? They made the learning curve 
much longer and more difficult, you know, this year compared to what we normally race. Right. And again, they're in startup mode, right. And they're in the infancy, ideally. Right. Um, of what this thing is supposed to be and where it's supposed to go. So everybody's sharing those growing pains as fans. It's super annoying. (laughs) And in some aspects, it's disappointing for what we were sold as a consumer of said product. Um, for whatever reason that, you know, no fourth race, so no million dollars, you know, no infographics, no live data, you know, all these things that were, you know, we were supposed to be getting, we didn't get. Yeah. There's a lot that was promised. The moon was on offer and seems like we got an Cessna. <laughs> Somebody has to. It's not my job. <laughs> I definitely don't get paid to do yeah. it. No, I mean, yeah, I think that I'll, you know, set expectations where you can hit them and follow through on it as best you can. You know, I'd like to see a little bit more spectatorship and a little bit more community engagement, et cetera. I mean, ultimately, each of the towns that they've had these races in already have bike races as well. I mean, Speed Week with Swagger, uh, that's Atlanta, right? Yep. I mean, not like downtown Atlanta, but neither was this. And it would have been nice to maybe leverage some of the uh, existing infrastructure and people that are have made these events possible. Littleton is an amazing event in Denver and uh, plenty of bike races around Florida as well. So Yeah, but if you're Elon yeah. Musk, you don't go to Ford to build your Tesla. He built his own factory. So Yeah, but that's Tesla the... made a nice car that everybody wanted. Yeah, but that's the goal, right? I think in the beginning, the, you know, he was battling, he was going uphill, you know, For sure. in a rowboat. So just yeah, have to see where, it, can... see where it all goes. Um, I mean, I hope like the, you know, some hearing some rumbles that we may or may not see NCL teams for the rest of the year. Um, so that'd be really unfortunate as we had some, especially on the men's side, some really good battles going on for the ACC involving um you know the knights program at least but you know if that if those two teams sit out you know yeah there's not that much racing but there's enough that you know those teams sitting out for those races you know it's definitely kind of a hit to the peloton uh yeah for sure so that'd be kind of disappointing if we do see that that you know for the reasons i'm hearing they're not there i think is like pretty lame um so yeah, we'll we shall see. Time. But um, so we have, I mean, basically, what's left? Like Indy, right? Momentum, momentum. Indy, the ninth stop at the ACC. Then we have Gateway Cup, four days yep. in St. Louis, with the Giro de Montagna being the tenth and final ACC day. Okay. There and then there's a San Antonio race and mm-hmm. a St. Petersburg, Florida race. Then there's Bucks County Classic. Bucks County. Doyle's County. Yeah. I don't envy anybody going. <laughs> it's a tough um, race, man. Even though I absolutely yeah. love it, I think it's a premier crit. I think it's a it's a it's a long course, right? Like that's the only thing I think going against it. Um but I think it's one of the the classics. It's long and it's difficult. You know, I think you really see some excellent bike racing happening there and you know, the guy gal that win that race you know is somebody to pay attention to you know especially if it's a smaller team 
kind of an unknown rider, if they can go there and pull a top five, you know, it's somebody you at least give a phone call to in October and say, what are you doing next year? <laughs> Who are you and what are you doing? Yep. It's a good, good proving ground for sure. Yep. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess we're going to have to see in terms of like our coverage for sure. Momentum Indy, right? ACC race. Um, mm-hmm. it's got no live stream, so we just have to boots on the ground, call up our, uh, our network, ask them about it. Um, there's that one. Giro de Montagna, um, I will be there doing the uh, commentary team uh, all four days. But on the third day, I will be in the Peloton. Yes. Live. Live from the field. Amazing. Um, so I will have... It's going to be funny. I think that post-ACC <laughs> podcast of my experience, um, everybody's going to be able to talk a lot of shit. Um, I can't wait. <laughs> so for that coverage, right? And then I don't think Doylestown or Bucks County has coverage, right? Other than local. No. Um, are you going to be present? Right. You're close. I'm close, but I am working the high school mountain biking league that weekend. Okay. So then, yeah, I guess our coverage, I mean, you know, Doylestown, it's a great course. So we should at least talk about it in some fashion. Yep. We see start lists and what have you. And then, yeah, we'll just have to figure out what's happening with Thad's races at uh, San Antonio and St. Petersburg and see what kind of... Oh, is that the Nocturne stuff? Or whatever it is. Yeah, Um, Thad's races. Yeah. uh, I just made eyes with Gabe, sorry. Um, But yeah, just respectively, like, not that we shouldn't be talking about crits that exist, but again, trying to talk about, like, the high-level crits where, like, all the national guys, or majority of the national teams and national riders are showing up to continue the narrative. Yep. Um, Because at the end of the day, I just don't know regional Florida racers to give any insight. Well, we got friends. If you know anybody, hit us up, and we'll do our best and see if we can get you some intel. That's a wrap. But we've had... um, I did kind of a... What what do people want to hear about on the old Instagram? Got some funny answers. Um some anti-GoPro movements out there. People ask about gravel. Um, what else do we... Oh, more domestique coverage, which oh, I think yes. every, all those riders do have their story to be told and highlighted. Um, I mean, Sam Boardman, right? Every domestic domestique has his day. Yep. Um, so definitely guys like that share their story. Chris Carlson, right? He wants to talk, apparently. Um, <laughs> I don't even know if he's like, I don't know if those analog wall phones can even do this. I don't know how he's going to get on here. Um, there's that. And then um, you are a race promoter. So maybe mm-hmm. we flip the script and I grill you on just races and promotion. Or sure. we bring on some other race promoters. Um, we do have yeah. interest of, you know, from that arena. People want to get out and you know talk about what it's like putting on races because I think more than ever, as you know, it's hard, hard as it's ever been. And I think from the Peloton yeah. side, I think there's a a big gap of knowledge that um, needs to be closed on a rider education standpoint when people show up and think that a live stream costs ten thousand dollars, or <laughs> you know, um, you know, just close the gap, right, and just. Let there be some grace when you show up to an event um, 
and you meet the promoter or if you see something you just like don't like, right? Instead of going to social media or whatever to just trash on it, find somebody at the race to fix it, you know, point it out. Mm-hmm. Be the be the professional yeah. on the ground that sees something, right? See something, say something to somebody that can actually help, not just the right. ether that is the internet, you know, because yeah. nobody on the internet can fix whatever problem you're having, you know, unless by chance the right person sees it at the right time. 100% agree. Thanks for my TED Talk. 100%. Appreciate it. Um, yeah. So with that, thank you. This was a bit of a long one, but hopefully you guys get something out of it. Uh, continue to communicate with Gabe and myself on the old social media that I talk shit about, but that's our communication <laughs> method. <laughs> it's direct. It's one-on-one. It's not just the ether. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then we'll be back yeah. uh, Thursday, Friday with our Momentum Indie precast. Precap. Guestimates. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And if there's any juicy drama that comes up between now and then, we probably won't have it. So talk to somebody else about it. Thank you. See you guys. Bye.